0: Welcome back to the Yellow Box podcast. This week, we are joined by our teaching pastor, Ian Simpkins, as we continue our series, Dangerous Prayers. For more information, please visit us at www.communitychristian.org. And remember, you can always find us at the Yellow Box on Sundays at 9.30 a.m., 11.15 a.m., and 5 p.m. We hope to see you there. (laughs) Well, good luck unseeing all of that. I think my favorite line might have been, I think I broke my collarbone. Just the calmest declaration of a broken collarbone in the history of the world. Well, obviously, we're poking fun, right? Small groups are not nearly that scary. And if you're not in one, we can't encourage you enough to join one. And we're going to talk about that a little bit later. But it is where we believe that real life change happens. And so if you're not in a small group, we highly encourage uh, today that you contact one and join one. You won't be uh, sad that you did. So let's uh, pray together, and then we'll dive into uh, week four of dangerous prayers. Let's pray. Uh, God, thank you for the gift of another day of breath in our lungs, of your presence among us and near us and through us. And God, we, we know that every breath is a miracle, and so we pray, God, that you would make us more fully aware of your presence already at work among us, whether we had a great week or a rough week, Somewhere in between, we pray that you would speak to us, that you would move in us, and you give us the courage to live these dangerous prayers as a result. We thank you, and we love you, and we pray all these in the beautiful name of Jesus and all God's people said, amen. Anyone here grow up in a church youth group? Yeah, some of you are already laughing. That's a great sign. I know that a lot of you didn't, but some of my most awkward moments were in my church youth group, specifically the group prayer time. If you're not familiar, I'm going to explain it to you. The group prayer time is when a bunch of teenagers would all hold hands in a circle, kumbaya style, and pray together. What could be awkward about that, right? Nothing, of course. And there was always a couple of key players in every group prayer circle. There was a guy that was always trying to crush every bone in your hand for some reason. There's always girl with uncontrollably sweaty palms. Or my personal favorite, the uninvited interlocked fingers. Anyone ever had that happen before? You don't know this person, and yet they feel that you've reached a level of intimacy to do this together. And that's maybe not even the worst, to be honest. My favorite is when someone would sort of start circling the runway, and they'd start rambling, and then they'd sprinkle in words like, Traveling mercies and hedge of protection and Shekinah glory, whatever that is, right? And that was always made worse if like the food was already brought out and you began wafting that delicious meal and this person just kept going and going and going. Anyone ever experienced something like that before? Now, I'll be honest, um, group prayer in high school was also a strategic opportunity for me to stand next to a girl I liked so she'd be forced to hold my hands for the duration of that prayer. It's it's pretty smooth, right? Yeah, I was a real Casanova. uh, Unless the girl's father was also in the room and our pastor. (laughs) That did not go well for me. But that's, that's not the kind of dangerous prayers we've been talking about the last few weeks. The kind of prayers that we've been talking about are the ones that deepen our relationship with God. The kind of prayers that help us grow in our faith journey together. Prayers that help us deepen our relationship with God. Help us deepen our relationship with our church community. And deepen our relationship with the world around us. Now, the, the thing that we want to talk about today is that second C. And if you're unfamiliar what these C's are or what they mean, we actually just launched an online tool called the 3C Spiritual Growth Plan. If you have not done this, we spent a lot of time developing and creating it. It is the perfect tool to better understand what maybe some of these next journeys in your faith journey, uh, these next steps in your faith journey might be. So I wanna invite you to that. If you haven't, encourage your friends your small groups to do the same We're focusing on that second one, that second C, the connect. Me and the church community around me. And I think often when we think about next steps, it's easy to sort of think of like what I have to do, my next steps, my action plan. But for the next few minutes, I want to talk about our next steps, our action plan. What would it look like to grow in this area together? So I want to start with this question right here. What might happen if we became a community of Christ followers who truly prayed with and for one another? What would that look like? How dangerous a community could we be if we truly became intercessors for one another? Now, my guess is that when I just used the word intercessor, uh, a couple of different images were probably conjured. Some of you pictured like uh, an ornately dressed priest wielding incense. Some of you, perhaps you pictured like a slick-haired televangelist who is happy to pray for you as long as you placed your palm on the screen and make a donation via his hotline. Maybe others of you, you're like, did he just say intercessors or hairdressers? And you're like really confused right now. But I want to kind of demystify this word because it's kind of a churchy word that I think often gets a bum rap and is explained in ways that aren't actually helpful. But here's what intercession actually means. It means praying to God on behalf of others. Praying to God on behalf of others. It actually comes from the word paga. Let me hear you say paga. Beautiful. Paga literally means to meet. To meet. Which I think beautifully illustrates what intercession actually is. It's meeting with God on behalf of others. I love how Quaker theologian Richard Foster puts it. This is what he says. He says, if we truly love people, and I think that we do, we will desire for them far more than it is within our power to give them, and this will lead us to prayer. He says, if we love people, there'll be something beyond what we can offer them that we will desire for them, and that will lead us to prayer. And then he says this, intercession is a way of loving Others, I love that picture. Intercession, meeting with God on behalf of others, is a way of loving others. And in fact, it was this kind of loving others that permeated the life of the early church. We see countless accounts of, uh, of intercession happening in various communities throughout the early church because they understood the power and the necessity of meeting with God on behalf of their brothers and sisters. In fact, did you know that Jesus had a half-brother named James that wrote a lot about this kind of prayer? Like James, that poor guy, how many times did he hear the phrase, why can't you be more like your brother? (laughs) Well, Mom, for starters, he's the Messiah, right? That's, That's a tough standard to live up to. But history tells us, actually, that James developed a nickname Because of how much time he spent in prayer on his knees, he developed these really intense calluses. So his nickname was Camel Knees. And you thought your college nickname was bad. But don't miss this, though. This guy grew up with Jesus. And apparently something that he saw in growing up with Jesus led him to be a man of persistent prayer. Listen to what he says here in chapter 5. He says, is anyone among you in trouble? Is anyone this morning in a little bit of trouble? Like hopefully not running from the cops in trouble. But maybe you're like, yeah, that's me. What's he say? Let them pray. Is anyone happy? Let's do what we just did. Let's sing songs of praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let them call the elders of the church. Let them call the leaders. Let them call their friends and community to pray over them. And anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise them up. If they have sinned, they will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to each other. And what's it say? Pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayers of a righteous person is powerful and effective. The first century church was marked by this type of Intercession of meeting with God on behalf of others. So I want to ask a really uncomfortable question. How many of us honestly struggled to do that? To, to really enter into the trenches and to pray with and for others? I know I've struggled. Maybe this sounds familiar. Has anyone ever like shared a struggle with you and you said those infamous Christ follower words? Uh, I'll pray for you and then never prayed for them? Anyone, am I alone in that? Am I the, <laughs> yeah. And then you like, see them the next week, you're like, oh, I didn't pray for them, and you feel like there's some kind of need to hide from them. We've all been there, but why, why is that so difficult? Why is it so hard for us to actually enter into the trenches of struggle and sorrow and pain and intercede on behalf of others? Well, I have a couple of guesses as to why. Here's the first guess. Uh, we don't, because we didn't. I probably don't need to convince a lot of you that like, we should pray. right? That's not really my point. Most of you are like, yeah, I know that I should. In the same way that I know that I should work out. And probably have kale, unfortunately. like I know that I should. But because I didn't, now I feel guilty and I don't want to. It's like that person you said you'd call back. And then you didn't call back. And then you see them in the grocery store. And then you hide in the organic food aisle until they leave. Right? how about this one? Maybe you guys can relate to this one. We don't know where to begin. I think this honestly keeps a lot of us from prayer. I just don't know where to start. I don't know what to pray. Listen to what Paul says to the church in Rome. He says, we do not know what we ought to pray for. You're in good company. Paul's saying, that's often my state of being. I don't don't know what to say, but listen to what he says next. But The Spirit himself, here's our word, intercedes for us, through wordless groans. Your translation may read, through groans too deep for words. I love that. That even when you don't know what to say, you don't feel like you have the spiritual enough words, God intercedes on our behalf. And Maybe this one. Uh, we forget that prayer is an invitation. Maybe you feel like in prayer, you're sort of like an unwanted house guest, right? Like God's pulled out the vacuum, and he's like, take a hint, man. It's time to go home. Leave me alone. Prayer is not our attempt to get God's attention. It's a response to his invitation. God invites us to prayer. Or maybe, maybe this one. We have an unhealthy fear of God. Now, I said unhealthy because the Bible talks about having the fear of God, the respect and reverence for God. But my, my guess is that there are people in this room, your relationship with your old man was not good. Maybe it still isn't good. And you have a hard time seeing God as a loving and compassionate father. But hear me when I say this He is. And He so desires for us to seek Him. Or maybe it's not any of those. Maybe you heard those four and you're like, none of those resonate. Maybe for you it's just boring. And I want to ask a question that might be a bit uncomfortable Is it possible that your prayer life is boring? Because 90% of what you pray for is for yourself. When the bulk of our prayer is for us and me and I and the things I need, is it possible that the response might be boredom? What might happen if we became a community who truly prayed with and for one another? Not just on Sundays, not just in small groups, but all the time. There's this really, really beautiful story in the Old Testament uh, about Moses and Joshua that I think illustrates this idea of intercessory prayer. And I have to remember that the Israelites were just freed from slavery and e- in Egypt and they're now wandering in the wilderness and they're attacked by a group called the Amalekites. Now, I'm gonna need uh, a little bit of help from the audience, someone who'd be willing to come up on the stage and help me tell this story a bit. Do I have any volunteers willing to come up to the front? There's a cash prize involved if anyone would like to... Any any is there a hand back there? Is there a hand over here? No one wants to come up on stage. This is so heartbreaking. Is there, do we have one right here? No, who said that? Right, right, right here. Yeah, come on, come on over to the stage. Yeah. Let's let's give our very willing volunteer. And what is your name? What is it? Lynn, I'm Ian, so nice to meet you. Lynn, you'll be playing the role of Moses, so if you could just put on your Moses beard for me real quick here. Uh, Just got to play the role right. Give it up for, wow, you already have the very, you didn't bring like tablets with you, did you? That is, I think I made the right choice in choosing. (laughs) it. I'm feeling very confident about this. Okay, Moses, thanks for that shimmy. Okay, Moses is now the leader of the nation of Israel. And Moses tells Joshua, his field general, this. This is what he says. (laughs) Thank you for clearing the screen, Moses. Choose some far... (laughs) (laughs) This just got so wheel of fortune, I can't even handle it. (laughs) Give me an eye. Okay. (laughs) Okay. Choose some of our men and go out to fight the Amalekites. Tomorrow, which is when the battle is to start, I will stand on top of the hill with the staff of God in my hand. So Joshua fought the Amalekites, as Moses had ordered, and Moses, Aaron, and Hur went to the top of the hill. Okay. Now, if I'm Joshua, truthfully, (laughs) you're just going to inch your way further and further back, aren't you? I knew it. If I'm Joshua, I'm thinking, um, how about You go fight them, Moses, and I'll go up on the mountaintop with the staff and pray to God. So they arm wrestled and Moses won. And so uh, Moses actually had seniority. So Joshua heads into battle and Moses goes to the mountain uh, with his staff. There is your staff. Now, um, if you don't know the story, Moses and the staff have quite a bit of history. God has done some incredible things through that staff. If you don't remember, there's a time where he raised it to the sky and called down a great storm. There's another time where they were wandering. I mean, you can preemptively, yeah, just do it. They were wandering in the wilderness and they were thirsty, so they. Why don't we just close in prayer and just wrap this puppy up? What is this stance that you have? Those are very expensive. I would not do that. <laughs> okay, so smack the rock, a.k.a. the screen, and, uh, and water came out. And then we all know the infamous scene, right, where Charlton Heston uh, split the Red Sea with his staff. So God has done some incredible things through the staff, or maybe a better way to put it is uh, God moved miraculously through a very ordinary staff. So when Moses goes to the mountaintop, He takes his staff and he holds it above his head. So I want you to go ahead and hold it above your head. Keep it there, okay? I think you'll be just fine. (laughs) And this is where it gets interesting. As long as Moses is holding it over his head, the Israelites are winning in the battle. But the moment that it falls below, they start losing. So no, they're dying. Hold it up. Oh my goodness gracious. So as long as he's holding it up, they're winning and as it falls down they start losing so Moses is standing as an intercessor between the Israelite army and God and I don't know if Moses knew this was going to work like maybe Moses thought like I'll do it once and they'll start winning and then he lowered it and all of a sudden they started losing he was like oh no shoot oh maybe he was holding it for a while then he like got like an itch I don't know if you have like a you want to pantomime an itch I think you're getting right (laughs) (laughs) (sighs) I wonder if like Do you think Moses at any point during this battle was tempted to do like one of these? Like, hello, my baby. Hello, my honey. Yeah, that's right. (laughs) While still maintaining, keep it up. Keep it up. Everyone's dying. It's a terrible battle. (laughs) Uh, Either way, Scripture tells us Moses had to keep it above his head in order for the Israelites to win. So how, how are you feeling, volunteer? Doing okay still? See, rocking and rolling. So Moses uh, starts to get a bit tired, understandably, after the course of a couple of hours, and it starts to droop a little bit, and they start to lose. Now, Joshua's in a battle for his very existence. Keep that in mind. And Moses is standing as an intercessor, and even though Moses was far from the front lines, he's interceding on their behalf. So so time out for a minute. Not you. You keep it up. (laughs) Great job. Doesn't it sometimes feel like We ourselves are in a battle. It's maybe not likely on the front lines in a field, but maybe this morning your battle is physical. You have an illness that just won't go away, and you've been praying to God for healing. Maybe the battle is relational. Maybe there's a close friendship, family member, that's starting to feel like that's beginning to unravel. Maybe it's financial, You find yourself in a really tough spot this morning and you're wondering how you're gonna make it to next week or next month or next year. Maybe it's just in general. Maybe you're here and you're like, I just feel in general weighted down by all the things going on in my life. I feel like I'm in the midst of battle. Difficult times, they're kind of inevitable, aren't they? And it often feels like we're in a battle how are you doing, volunteer? You doing okay? Yeah, keep, yeah keep, it, keep it keep it, strong. The people need you. Okay, so Moses starts to get tired, and that's where something that I read earlier comes into play. I don't know if you caught this or not. Um, it says, so Joshua fought the malachites as Moses had ordered, and Moses, Aaron, and Hur went to the top of the hill. So I don't know if Moses was like lonely or if he just wanted someone to play board games with. I don't know why, but he brings two other friends with him. Aaron's sort of his right-hand man, and her is believed to be maybe his brother-in-law. And so Moses is up there uh, with some friends. Do you have a couple of friends that you could uh, bring up here to the stage? Who are the friends you came with? Can I get two of the friends to come on up? the, I mean, Moses wasn't mute. You can speak. That's okay. Anne Marie, she's already shaking her head. Yeah, let's give it up for the friends. Can we get one more friend for Aaron and her Do you have another friend? I yeah, see I know it's pretty bright. How about how about how about the gentleman at the end? Could you just come and help real briefly? Uh, yeah, that'd be great. Thank you so much. <laughs> let's give let's give it up for our additional volunteers that are okay. So keep it up, keep it up. The battle's done. Yeah, right, very good. So here are not yet, not yet. You're getting ahead of me. Someone read her Bible. Come on. Okay, so Moses is getting tired, and uh, at first, um, Aaron and her get a rock for Moses to sit on. Would you like a chair? Sure. Too bad, you don't get one. So um, so they try that, and, uh, and Moses is still tired, and then here's what happens. Aaron and her actually held Moses' hands up. So I want you to grab his, her actual hand there and held her up. I want this image... To resonate with your soul. Because Aaron and Hur are interceding on behalf of Moses. Who is interceding on behalf of the Israelite army. They're literally standing with him. They're holding him up. Aaron and Hur are interceding for the intercessor. And so the staff remained above Moses' head. And the Israelites overcame the Amalekites' The end. Give it up for our volunteers. Yes. You guys can grab a seat. Thank you so much. (laughs) Now, I think maybe the best place for us to actually experience this type of intercessory power is in the context of community. I don't think I need to convince you that it's actually really difficult to pray for someone if you don't know them. Small groups are a place where we actually get into the trenches where we can hold each other up. We can meet with God on their behalf. I remember um, the church that I've been serving at for 10 years, we had one Sunday, this woman came up to me, and she just straight out shared that last night she had attempted suicide. And tears were streaming down her face, and tears began streaming down my face, and she said, what do I do in that moment, I kind of I panicked, and I just sort of blurted out, are you in a small group? She said, I knew you were gonna say something like that. I'm not, I'm just too scared to give it a try. And I said, well, would you do me, just this week, would you try, just step out, see if that doesn't change things for you? That next week, she ran up to me after the service, and she says, you'll never believe it. I just picked a group at random I showed up, and I wasn't planning on telling them my story, but something came over me, and I did. And they laid hands on me, and they prayed with me. And the ladies in that group have agreed to go with me on my morning walks, to text me throughout the day, to remind me that I'm loved and known. And then she, like, grabs me by the shoulders, and she said, this group has saved my life. And your story may not be nearly that dramatic. But I would venture to guess that we all know exactly what it's like to be in a battle. To just feel burdened. And maybe today, maybe, maybe the challenge isn't that you need to pray for somebody. Maybe you need prayer yourself. Maybe you need the courage to actually step up, step out and say, I, I need some help. If you're not in a small group, I can't encourage you enough to join one. Try a few out if you have to. And if you are in a small group, I want to push you even a little bit further. In that group, what if this week you began to actually intercede for one another? What if we actually began to ask each other, how can I pray for you and share the ways that the people in your group could also pray on your behalf? How dangerous a community could we become if we began to intercede on each other's behalf? If we had the courage to say, I'm having a rough day, I'm having a rough week, I need some help. I'm confident if we began to pray those dangerous prayers, God would show up in a way we could never dream or imagine. Let's pray. God, thank you for the gift of today, of, of community, of the people in these rows and chairs, these stories of the, the lives lived, and we know, God, that some today are rejoicing, some are disheartened, some are angry, some are upset, some are depressed. God, teach us to intercede on the behalf of others and help us to have the courage to speak up when we need prayer as well. We know, God, that you have interceded on our behalf so that we might know you, and we are so eternally grateful for that. Pray, God, you would lead among us that we would be a people who pray dangerous prayers so that you would receive the glory, so that others may find their way back to God. We thank you and we love you and we pray these things in the beautiful name of Jesus and all God's people said, amen.